Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to The Inner Life here on this Friday at the end of the week. It's also the memorial of St. Charles Borromeo. Hope you are having a good morning, good start to your day here. How often do you clean the windows of your home? Are you meticulous about keeping them clean or has it been a little while since you went around, got them all perfectly spotless? And do you know what the biggest problem with clean windows is? I learned this from visiting my grandmother's house. So in our home, we typically do a very thorough cleaning of all the windows in the spring. That's, that's when we clean everything as well as we can. After all the coldness of the winter is passed and everything's turning green, the flowers are blooming, the trees are budding, we want to see that through the windows, we want a nice clear vision of that. So this is the time where we do that major window cleaning. After that, that spring cleaning, kind of after the winter thaw, uh, for the rest of the, the spring, the summer, into the early fall, we'll pull out the Windex as it's needed here and there, you know. But then once it's cold, it gets back into those late fall and winter months, unless there's something really noticeable that needs to be taken care of, the window cleaning, it just gets put on hold until that following spring. My grandmother, however, she had immaculate windows in her home, keeping them spotless, streak-free at almost all times. And as I said, there was one main problem with this. But a little, a little more background first. One thing that didn't help was the way her house was laid out. It was this pretty standard ranch home, a single level, had a basement. And the front of the house had this very large window looking out from the living room. And at a certain angle, there was this clear line of sight from that front window looking to the back of the house where there was a sliding glass door, essentially this other giant window. And you could see straight through into the backyard. There was also this fairly steep hill that went up behind the backyard of her house so that when it was later in the afternoon, not quite evening or dusk or anything, but, you know, sun's still out. It's still bright. But late in the afternoon, there'd be enough shade made from that big hill back there. And it made the windows of my grandmother's house look extremely clear. And so that brings us to this big problem. Birds. Birds would not be able to distinguish between a clean window and a truly open path, an open area where they could fly. And I can remember numerous times where we would be visiting my grandmother. And again, numerous, not just like once or twice, but from the time I was a little six, seven years old, all the way up through graduating high school, you'd hear a bird fly directly into that living room window. And if you've never been in a house when a bird hits a window, 
It makes you jump. I mean, you get no warning, first of all, uh, and especially if things are relatively quiet in the house. Out of nowhere, there's this loud bang, almost like a gunshot going off. And, you know, that bird, it smacks the window. For my grandmother's house, it usually wasn't a big bird, something like a robin. And unfortunately, I mean, sadly for the bird, most of the time it was flying fast enough that that impact would kill the bird. But the noise, it was so loud that aside from just the kind of fright, the startled aspect of their making me jump, I would think to myself every time I heard it, that sound of the bird hitting the glass, it had to have cracked the window pane. It had to have broken the window. But it never did. The main damage to that window, it was that now there's this obvious smudge, this mark, where the bird hit and it had to be cleaned again. And so within the next day or so, my grandmother, she'd get out a stepladder and she'd go out there and, and she'd clean her front window one more time. When the window, when you have that window that is completely clean, if it gets that one blemish on it, that one little mark, it really stands out. Now, on the other hand, if you have a bunch of little dirt, little grime that just gradually accumulates... You might not recognize that there's this buildup of filth and dirtiness that needs to be clean. You start to think, looking through that window, well, this is how it's always looked, right? This is kind of normal. I've had that experience with the windows in our garage at our house. They don't get cleaned as often as the ones that are actually inside the rooms that we live in in our house. But if I go out there and I start to clean a corner of one of those windows, very quickly I realize how bad things have gotten and how desperately those windows need to be cleaned out in the garage. Now Jesus, through the church, he has given us a means by which we can be spiritually cleaned. This is the sacrament of confession. If you go to confession regularly, you might be kind of like that clean window. You're very aware when there's that smudge, that blemish something that isn't quite right. It stands out, and you want to get it cleaned right away. But if it's been a little while since you've been to confession, you might find yourself more like my garage window. You haven't noticed the gradual buildup of those residual effects of sin in your life. And you think, well, this is just kind of normal, right? No, it's time to do some serious cleaning. Well, today on The Inner Life, we want to talk about the sacrament of confession and how we have the opportunity to be spiritually clean, to be in a state of grace through this amazing and powerful sacrament. And I'm very glad to welcome to the program for his very first time with us here uh, as our spiritual director, Father J.J. Mech. Father J.J. is a priest in the Archdiocese of Detroit, and he is the rector of the Cathedral of the Most Blessed Sacrament there in Detroit. Father J.J., welcome to The Inner Life. So glad to have you here on the well, air Well, thank with us. you so much. Yeah, well, oh, I'm really excited. I got to tell you, I love your analogy. Your mom, or my mom, pardon me, and your grandma. I, I, I they might have been. Uh, my mom might have been two times. I'm not sure because <laughs> they went so to the same similar. window my mom cleaning was so school. Clean. <laughs> same ranch house, everything. You name it, was all the same. So I That's love that. I, in fact, and for your listeners, I'm. Um, I prayed. I actually asked my mom to add to intercede for us. They're both gone to the kingdom, I hope. And uh, and so I think it is so amazing that you brought this up because my mind was rooting us on to, to doing what we need to be doing. So this oh, is great. Beautiful. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, no, uh, it's a delight to be able to talk with you, Father. And since this is your first time on the program, before we get into the topic of confession itself,
yourself. Can you tell us a little about yourself? Have you always been there in Detroit? Is that where you grew up? Exactly. I, I grew up in a first ring suburb, Dearborn Heights, big family, um, half Irish. That was my mom's side. And then my dad, half Ukrainian and uh, both just amazing folks. And I and we, there's I'm the youngest of six kids. We originally had nine. Uh, three of them didn't make it. And then um, and so my oldest brother's middle name is Gerard uh, for obvious reasons when you pray to St. Gerard. And so my mom never thought, you know, oh, this is it. So they so then we got six of them. I'm the youngest of six and uh, wrote my thesis on family. Family is really, really crucial to me. I've got 20 nieces and nephews and going on about 20 great nieces and nephews now. Just four of them were born the last couple months. So it's, it's really fun. I love family. So hence why I've always been kind of in the Detroit area. I could have gone. Uh, in regards to following the priesthood, maybe in a religious order, but I always wanted to be around family. Sure, so that was kind home. of a, a nice deal. That is nice. Exactly. Ha- exactly. Ha- have you been able then to, uh, with all the nieces, nephews, great nieces, great nephews, have you been able to do a lot of the baptisms for your family? Which I love. Not only baptisms, but now I'm getting, I'm 55, so now getting older and they're getting older. I'm only 14 years older than my oldest niece and nephew are twins. So I've done the majority of all these weddings and and baptisms now. So it is, it's really a celebration. It is so much fun. I I know that sounds trite, uh, but I really mean it. I just, such a joy. I don't, one of the things that I say ad nauseum, whenever you've ever heard me preach, I don't believe in coincidence or luck. I think God's working on everything. So in this, what a major privilege it is to to be with family and connect and, and make that little connection with them to Christ in so many different ways and sometimes non-obvious ways, which is what I love. And that's why I loved our topic today, because sometimes when we're, it's not obvious to us all the time why we need what we need in this, in regards to reconciliation. Right. Well, so let's, let's turn to our topic. And I always like to start with definitions and basics. And so before we get into uh, confession itself. Can we start with a sacrament for anybody who is listening that might be unfamiliar with the Catholic Church or what we mean when we say sacrament? Can you give us a, an explanation of what a sacrament is? It's it's kind of funny. Yesterday, I was my business manager who's studying for the diaconate um, asked me. He wanted me some give him some clarity because he had to do a uh, uh, presentation at the seminary. So he was asking me kind of a similar thing. And I always like to go to the kind of the rote definition because I think it's our springboard, but it's that outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace, which seems almost a little, you know, a little dry. But when we look at the scriptures and people, you know, um, they're, they're saying, wait a minute, how did Christ institute these seven sacraments? Well, he did in so many different ways, but they evolve. And I love the fact that we have these seven sacraments inspired by uh, the Holy Spirit, which Christ gave to us. And then, so they're outward signs. There's something we're doing. They're rites in the church, you know, sacramental rites. But they're, Christ gave them to us, and uh, and we learn from them. Today, when we look at, uh, you know, when we are celebrating the, the sacrament of reconciliation, where this comes from is because of those wonderful apostles. After the Pentecost, he the Holy Spirit on them. And if you forgive sins, you know, then, you know, they will be forgiven. If you hold them bound, they will be held bound. And so um, when Christ gave that to us, but to give grace and it's that freedom, it's that joy, it's that, uh, that help that we get from God with these sacraments.
performance. So that's what I, I like to look at in the kind of the <clears throat> the more pragmatic, simple way of looking at what a sacrament's all about. Well, and, and, and I'm glad you brought up, you know, where there is that institution by Christ of the sacrament of confession. I, I, I would think that for the most part, um, the sacraments of confession and then, of course, the Eucharist, but also baptism, those might be the three that are very, very obvious in Scripture. We can, we can look so easily to point to those. You know, the others, we might have to say, okay, well, we can see where this is instituted. Um, you know, the priesthood, I think, would be another one very, very clearly there. Um, but then we also have where St. Paul gives a lot of follow-up on what it means to be a priest, on, on the responsibilities and the qualifications. Um, but with... With uh, confession, it's so clearly stated there, but then it still becomes one of those sticking points for non-Catholic Christians, and one of the basic questions that often gets raised is, well, why do I need to go to a priest for confession? Why can't I simply just pray and ask God directly to forgive my sins? And and unfortunately, it's not only you know, non-Catholic Christians. We, I think Catholics struggle with this. And when we get it, and I have, um, and one of the things was kind of a curious deal for, to address that. And I want to, if we can talk in just a sec about why would we go to a priest yeah. rather than just go straight to God. I was thinking about, I was, you know, praying about this and, and thinking about this. And I have a buddy of mine who is um, the provincial of uh, the Franciscan order of the St. Uh, John the Baptist province. And he um, had an experience. He used to be pastor here in the Archdiocese Detroit for about 14 years in our old chancery. And uh, so there was this little elevator, if you don't mind me telling this little story. So there's this little elevator that um, was wood and it had one of those old gates that you kind of close. And then the door was like a regular door. It wasn't like a typical elevator door that you could open up. So um, that then when you press the button, it was just you had to turn a handle to open it up. So anyway, um, he's going down to celebrate the Eucharist for uh, his parish, which was at the base of the chancery. And uh, as he's going down, uh, the elevator stops. This in the you know this little cage and all this kind of fun stuff. So so he's oh what do I do? And he goes to pick up the phone, and uh, the phone's dead. You know, so the archdiocese hadn't kept up the uh, you know the emergency thing. So he's yelling for help. And, uh, and nobody gets it. And he looks down into the, uh, the carriage of the, uh, through the carriage of the elevator, and there is an electrical spark. And all of a sudden, electrical fire starts oh, down yikes. at the bottom of the, um, <laughs> of the, I know it's pretty, it's all in our newspapers, it ended up getting pretty, it was pretty major. So he, it's all of a sudden, this black, tarry, you know, this electrical fire smoke starts to come up, and it's consuming the whole entire little, it's about the size of a closet, this little elevator. And, uh, and so um, the Lita King was one of our uh, secretaries there, and she's on the other side of the door. And she said, Father Mark, I'm not going to leave you. You stay there. She said, put the, um, you know, your, your shirt over your face. And so he took his cowl from his habit, and he put it over his face, and he laid down on the bottom of the, um, of the, of the you know, elevator. So there, and it's consuming. It's all there, and they evacuate the chancery. The fire alarms are going off, all this kind of stuff. And uh, there's a firefighter who is there, and they don't have the right tools on the uh, fire truck to open up this special door that you needed, this metal door, because he was in between floors. So she said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you. And, uh, and so the firefighter says to her, you got to get out of here. There's no saving him 
picks her up. She's screaming, you know, trying to go. And she, he's literally physically removing her from the chancery. So Father Mark is laying there thinking, this is it. I'm done. You know, his smoke, he can't see. He can't breathe. All of this. He, he was treated for smoke inhalation, all this stuff. So he does the act of contrition, which will hopefully we'll have a chance to pull apart. And he thinks he's going to, it was kind of curious because his first reaction was anger you know, out of this kind of deal. So long story short, which is no coincidence, no luck. Um, we had a Catholic bookstore at the base of the chancery and one of the, the guy who ran the, the bookstore was a volunteer firefighter in one of our suburbs. He overhears one of the firefighters from Detroit here telling him that uh, we don't have this, you know, jaws of life type of thing. He literally runs across the street, has one in his trunk. They open it up and, you know, so Father Mark is saved. So I share all that, like no coincidence, no luck. But what was the end game of this? What was the end goal? It's life. So not only is he, you know, is Father Mark now grabbing onto life in brand new ways, but God worked in this and in these tools. And so when we do it, when we go to reconciliation, when you look at that whole story and with this act of contrition and you do that, okay, so this act of contrition, you know, I'm heartily sorry. He's, he's sorry for his sins. So he, he says this because he, he's thinking he only has, you know, minutes or seconds to live. So what happens is he, uh, he had that, which is wonderful. But when you look at this sacrament, why did, you know, so if Jesus, if God himself institutes this, why wouldn't we go? If we had the cure for cancer, we're going to go and we, you know, we're going to go to the right doctor and go to the right thing. So we, when we go to, we can go and, and offer the, uh, you know, the, uh, um, when, when, you know, you do the act of contrition. And that would be, if you want to go to the technicalities of things, we have venial sins and we have, you know, grave sins or mortal sins and all that kind of thing. And you can, and with the Eucharist, speaking of another sacrament, those are forgiven, those venial sins. But those grave sins, when you're looking at there, you know, we, we look at that. We want to give our heart and ourselves completely to God. The way that the church, the magisterium, the, you know, the, the teaches us, we go to reconciliation. Is it fun? Well, you know, let's, let's not look at it in that way. We're so used to being entertained and, and that type of thing. So what we want to do is we want to go to the one who is the answer, to Jesus. And we want to go and receive uh, the graces from, you know, the one who is put in place to receive those graces. So we have the institution of the priesthood and this wonderful gift. And it's curious, Josh, because when I was first ordained, I've been ordained for 27 years, I love the Eucharist. I mean, that's the source summit, all that wonderful stuff, but I love it. I love celebrating the Eucharist. I love connecting with Jesus. But what do we do at the beginning of it? You know, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. We know we're in need, but we want to get the full selves out. Like St. John Paul II said, you know, okay, you're only going to get out of the Eucharist what you put into it, basically, is what he said. Well, I think the same thing is with reconciliation, because if we just brush over that and we don't utilize what we have before us, we're, we're missing out. So we go to the priest who's put in that place. The priest doesn't forgive sins. God's going to do that. But there is this process, and that's what's good for me. That's what I love. I'm, I'm real, I love being pragmatic and experiencing things and doing all that and grabbing onto the aspects of what sin is all about. And so when you go to a priest, you get the full aspect of things. So if I have cancer, could I treat it with certain things? Sure. But I'm going to go to an oncologist. I'm going to learn what I need to be doing 
so that I, you know, that I can really get the full aspect out of things. My, you know, one of my great nephews and niece were um, diagnosed with some challenges. My brother is brilliant man. What he did, he did the research. Who's the best? They drove halfway across the country and went to the best doctor to treat this thing. So I think how amazing that is. And why wouldn't we do that in regards to confession? Because Christ himself institutes it. I mean, he gives us this gift. Right. Why not utilize yeah, it? Yeah, it, it, it is the mechanism that he sets up. This is the ordinary way that you are able to seek out that forgiveness. And not not that you can't, you know, go to Jesus or pray directly to God. You should. Right. By all means, absolutely, that should and happen should. before you walk into the confessional. But to have that confirmation, that assurance that those sins really have been forgiven. This is how Jesus has structured that in the church that he established. Uh, again, talking with Father J.J. Mech here on The Inner Life today. Our phone number, if you'd like to join the program, is 888-914-9149, as we talk about the sacrament of confession. And we're going to talk coming up next about how you can prepare yourself how you can get the most out of confession. Maybe it's been a long time since you've been in the confessional, since you've been to that sacrament of reconciliation, and you're a little nervous. You don't know where to start. Um, if you'd like to call in and speak with Father JJ, you're welcome to do that. Um, maybe you've been going to confession regularly, and you can see the difference it's made in your life. We'd love to hear your story, your experience of how God has worked through this wonderful sacrament in your life. 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com, and We'll be right back here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash forester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. Today, speaking with Father J.J. Mech, he is the rector of the Cathedral of the Most Blessed Sacrament in Detroit and having a great conversation about the Sacrament of Confession. And we're going to talk about how we can make a good confession, what we can do to prepare, what we can do when we're in the confessional. Uh, what has helped you to be able to make that good confession? What do you do to prepare yourself before you walk into the confessional? Uh, maybe you have a question about confession. You're welcome to call in and join the program here. Our phone number, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. I also want to mention, if you have questions about how to prepare for confession and you joined us a little late or you have to, you're not going to be able to listen to the entire program, I really highly recommend on the Relevant Radio app. It's a free download in your mobile device's app store, but upper right-hand corner, you'll see that there is a little button that says pray, 
And it gives you a lot of different options, but one of those options is a confession helper. And it goes through how to go to confession, how to make a good confession. It has uh, how to do an examination of conscience, has a prayer before, a prayer after confession, has the act of contrition in there. A lot of good resources on the relevant radio apps. So look that up if you haven't yet. Uh, Again, talking with Father J.J. Mack here on The Inner Life today. And Father, so let's talk about how we prepare ourselves. You know, we've talked a lot about the sacrament itself, you know, the the background of it, Jesus instituting it, um, you know, the, the healing that can be experienced there. As we prepare ourselves, what do you think are some of the key components of Perfect. preparation before we go into the church, before we walk into the confessional? And I think, and, and thanks, Josh, for bringing this up, because I think this is one of the better ways, because we're, we're human. We're human people. We're all going to sin. We all sin. And, but we're all in need of that, that being lifted up. And, um, and so I think looking at one of the things that I, when I used to talk to kids, I used to have uh, lots of schools and all that that I was part of. And I would talk with them about uh, what is reconciliation. And the big thing I would zone in on is fear. And I think for us and all of our listeners, how do we look at this? Because the sacraments evolve and the Holy Spirit, they're, they're a little more fluid in the way we look at them and understand them. And as I was mentioning earlier about when I was first ordained, I um, celebrated the sacrament and, and it was wonderful, but I, I really love celebrate the Eucharist. Well, now among my classmates, I would ask them the question on our anniversary, what did you enjoy? What, what is the best thing that the Lord has worked in your life in this lesson? And they said, oh, I love reconciliation. And I, I was puzzled at first. Now I get it. And I get it because when I look back, and it depends on how we how we are going to, you know, to confession. How do we look at it when we're going to this sacrament? Do we look at it as the sacrament of penance? Do we look at it as going to confess? Do we look at it as the sacrament of reconciliation? So we want to look at our goal. But a big thing we look at is, as a church, we believe in the sciences. I always tell people this when I'm, you know, talking about conscience and this and belief and all that. We're not going to say the moon's made of green cheese or the world's flat. Science has proven that, you know, in a different way. So we have to look at the science of psychology. And we look at, you know, not only what we do, but I think it's really key to understand why we do it or why we don't do it. So let's address fear. And in Scripture you know, who Jesus establishes this wonderful stuff. And he's just so amazing when we really connect with him. And it's all about love. But he said, I think it's 365 times because we have, you know, in, in all of scripture, he said, don't be afraid. Yet, what are we working out of half the time is fear. And so when I would talk to those kids, I would say, hey, let's look at the seal of confession. Like, why do I need to go to a priest? This guy could share this kind of thing. and all that. Well, let's start with the seal of confession just for people who maybe are not as familiar or haven't thought about this in a while. I, as a confessor, I am, you know, I could be excommunicated. I could lose my faculties if I were ever, ever, ever to acknowledge anything that was shared in the sacrament of reconciliation. And, and so in that, not only that, but I err on the side and the church errs on the side of saying, I would not even be able to acknowledge that 
you know, Susie Smith or, or Joe Blow came to me for confession um, because it's that important of a confidentiality of a, of a trust. And that is not just with the priest, though. That is with, I mean, and, I, and priests have gone to jail, you know, for, for not right. breaking that seal and that type of thing. So that's an important thing to kind of build trust. But if we go beyond that, we have to look at why am I afraid? What am I doing? Why am I? Because we're going literally to God. I stand or the priest stands in the person of Christ. You confess your sins to the priest. As I said earlier, the priest doesn't forgive. God does that. But I represent not only, you know, uh, in persona Christi, Jesus, but I represent the community. So you're driving to confession and you're, you know, or to church, somebody cuts you off, you, you know, you swear at them, you, you're mad at them, you yell at them, or whatever the deal is, you're like, what, what, oh my gosh, what did I do? What's that, you know, and you're never going to know that person, see that person, so you can't go make peace with that person one-on-one. Well, what do you think I represent? I represent anybody in humanity, in the church, who may be the person who's going to reconciliation needs to make, you know, you know, peace with in, in, in that. And then God works in this wonderful gift of, of what we are about. So it's one thing to understand what we're doing wrong, but why are we doing it? What's my motivation? And that's really good thing when you look at the examination of, you know, of, of what it's about. When we look at our conscience, and there's a, a million of them online, and I would encourage um, your listeners to really pray with them. Not, you know, not, oh, no, let me get nudged into half. He wants me to go to confession. Just start there. Just look at there's a, There's some on the USCCB website. There's different forms for kids and for married people and all that kind of thing. But it's kind of looking and doing an examination. What's my life? What's happening? I don't believe in coincidence or luck. So I'm like, what do you want me to learn, Jesus? What are you, what are you telling me about this part of my journey? Yeah. And it's, it's fully ourselves, you know, of what we're going to when we go to record. It's not counseling. So we're not going there. I know I said psychology, so, but there is a part of our psyche that is impacted in that. Why am right. I acting out of this? What am, what's my compulsion? What am I doing that's making me do this? Yeah, is well, making it, sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, it, I, I'm so glad you brought up, you know, that there needs to be that time spent in prayer as you do the examination of conscience, because it shouldn't just be an intellectual exercise, just in the same way that, you know, you're not just going to therapy or counseling when you go into the confessional. Um, You're dealing with the spiritual side of yourself as well. And, And that needs to then be an act of prayer, that you're doing as you're as you're going through that examination of conscience, um, Father. Let's continue this in just a moment, but let's go to the phones. We've got a number of people calling in to speak with you here, and again, our phone number eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. You can call in and join the program and speak with Father J J Mech eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. We've got Tyler who's calling in from Salt Lake City. Tyler, welcome to the Inner Life. Awesome. Thank you for taking my call. I just heard it on my way back into work, uh, the topic we're talking about, and it just made me, I got to call in. Um, so I just want to encourage the lady, the laity, to use the sacrament of, of confession as much as possible. I mean, we hear stories about the great Padre Pio and, and the grace, uh, not only just him, but all stories we've heard of the grace that God gives us. Seek and you will find I have found so much peace in my life. It's, it's given me sense of self and awareness, and I'm not afraid anymore to uh, approach the confessional honestly. 
And I just want to express how much it's done for me in my life. I work two jobs. I'm a busy man of a husband of three kids. And it is, it literally seek and you will find. You'll understand what offends God and what does not offend God, whether you're single, married, or religious. And I have just, I just wanted to comment that I'm so grateful for the, the sacrament. And I encourage anyone listening to this to go as much as possible, especially during this time. That's all I have. So I love what Tyler said because what he's doing is it the first time you do it. I remember as a kid, it's fearful. It's a it's a frightening thing. Like, what do I do? And I went in. You go in this. You know, I went. I had confessionals at the time rather than reconciliation rooms. And we went in and and I went knelt down. And the the light used to pop on when you knelt down at our kneeler in my home parish. Well, the light was burned out. So you know, the sisters uh, taught me, and we had this little book that we made with the you know the ditto that machine. We wrote it down and. What we were to do, and I couldn't see, and I, I whipped back the uh, the drape, and I had a so I could read it, and I'm yelling out, and the whole church heard my first confession, oh, which no. was kind of curious, <laughs> and so it's kind of an interesting deal. But it was so life giving, and I've gone back again and again and again, and, and the church asked that you would go at least once a year, right. and the reason why is because of uh, what Tyler said is because there's benefits, there's psychological benefits, but they're above all our spiritual benefits. And so what happens when you address that fear, you do the courageous thing, you know, which is being afraid but doing the right thing anyway and it's being and i love the humility is which is needed humbleness is so amazing because uh, humbleness is real when you really understand what are your gifts and that's christ and what are your weaknesses and when your feet the the word humility comes from humus or earth when you have your feet firmly planted on the earth and you understand who you really are we're in need of jesus we're in need of god and he's encouraging people i encourage everybody to go face that fear and move into it because when you go into it and what a blessing it is that you understand and this is one of the big things that we, you need to understand it. What is this? Why do I need to do that? You have to, we have to comprehend what we are about, what we're doing. I'm not going to do something um, without full, you know, if, if I'm, I'm not going to arbitrarily just live through life. I'm going to make decisions and do things for really concrete, healthy reasons. And, uh, and so when we look at that, we really need to understand that because way too often we are afraid of our guilt. Oh, I feel guilty. And sometimes it's unfounded guilt and we're not addressing the good stuff that we should be addressing and really allowing God's healing power. Yeah. And what I mean by that, Josh, is that um, you need uh, – my moral theologian – theology teacher, pardon me, taught me this. He said you, you got to look at three things. You have to look at circumstances, intention, and outcome. So we could easily look at the Ten Commandments. Stealing's a sin. Okay, I steal. I'm, if I steal, you know, it's a sin, right? Well, let's look at this. I have a dog, and I love my dog. So let's say I've got my black lab, and she's there, and she starts to choke on something, and I'm with you, Josh, and you have a pen in your pocket. I'm freaking out because I love this dog. And I say, give me your pen. And you say, no, this is my favorite pen. I love this. And I, you know, so, man, I don't know what to do, and I steal your pen. Well, um, you know, I steal that and then I, I, you know, get the thing out of my dog's throat. Well, what do I do? The circumstances were I asked you for it. You didn't give it to me. I'm freaking out. I'm not thinking clearly. I steal your pen. I break it and try to scoop out whatever is in my dog's throat. Well, wait a minute. My intention wasn't to steal your, your pen. My intention was to save my dog's life. 
Now, the outcome is I can apologize. I can buy you a whole set of pens. I can do, you know, whatever the deal is. But we have to look at what we're doing. But the key thing is we have to understand. And that's where we need to really take time to look at our sin, to kind of give a really hearty look at what am I about? What am I doing? Am I really happy when I do X, Y, or Z? Yeah. And, and ends up when that sin pops up, we're not going to be happy. It's it, it, inevitably, we know it. We know it not just like you said with our head, but when we move it down to our heart and then we really feel that love of Jesus, we want to be one with them. And, it, and, it, and it, I don't want this to sound cheesy. I want to be very careful how I say this. When I walk out of the reconciliation room, I'm oftentimes walking on air and I can only imagine what the conf- you know the person who went through a confession feels because right. yeah the weight when you're gets touching- lifted off yeah amen it's wonderful doesn't mean I'm not going to sin again it just means that I'm I'm you know I I'm going to be I I have a new grace I'm going to be helped in this way and that's oftentimes people won't go to a confession goes ah this is a habit of sin or I can't break this I've tried to break it x number of times well you know as the as the smoking campaign says don't quit quitting because what happens is when you look at habits you know, let's go to the psychology. Let's go to that alone. Let's move the, the, the spiritual out of it. It takes anywhere from, I think it's like um, maybe three weeks to, you know, almost a year to break a habit. So what do you do when you understand it? Why am I doing this? Why am I held accountable? When I'm, you know, if I'm doing something that's not healthy, you know, we, we need to look at that and figure out what am I doing and why am I doing it? So oftentimes with penance and hopefully we'll be able to you know pull apart what the reconciliation is all about and sometimes we're like oh i'm giving penance because i'm punishing myself for my sin no we don't need to do that we don't need to make up for our sin because god's already done that jesus did that on the cross and what were his last words forgive them forgive them they know not what they do so what we need to do a penance kind of shows that you're going to grab onto this awesome opportunity this wonderful grace of the sacrament and this relationship with jesus christ we're not going to take it for granted so we look and it's oftentimes when i'm in the you know it's one thing to i want you to you know rattle off a prayer well is that really going to help me you know i mean if i just rattle it off or am i really given myself am i going to look at my triggers am i going to look at how am i going to change my environment you know really be accountable to what i'm about get somebody to to pray with me and help me to be about that and then you know to to motivate me in the right way to go to that other side and and when we get into the right habits you know replace it with a good habit kind of a deal and so that's that's what is so and i i know i get all excited about this you can i can feel it in my uh, my spirit. I'm getting all happy because I want people to hear this because it's so darn amazing. It's humbling. Last last um, confession I went to, uh, the gentleman, I as a priest have to acknowledge that I'm, you know, they would only, it was only um, behind the screen. And this gentleman, um, God bless him, the priest on the other side was um, foreign born. And I have hearing issues and I, I had trouble kind of understanding him because he had a thick accent. And he, I, you know, I shared with him my sin and he kind of rattled something off. And, uh, and gave me this. And I walked away. I'm thinking, was that good? But I, it was great. It was great because that's what I needed. That's what God wanted me to do. And I had to learn from that experience. Even when it's not the most perfect ideal moment, God's still going to give me the grace. Yeah. You know, as you're talking about that, too, I think that's so important to separate emotions and feelings out from what we know is happening there. You know, again, it shouldn't just be a purely intellectual exercise or, you know, that shouldn't be our only approach, but we also shouldn't let 
our feelings or our emotions take a place of primacy where they direct us and say, well, because I don't feel forgiven or because I didn't feel that it was a good confession, that something didn't happen the way it was supposed to. No, the as long as the form and matter are there, the confession right. is valid. It's good. Um, Father, let's try and get one more phone call in here. We have to go to a break very shortly, but I want to go to John, who's listening in Las Vegas. John, welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air. John, are you Hello. there? Hey, John, go right ahead. Yes, sir. Yes. Um, I have not been to church for very long time. Um, I'm going to say 35 years. And I very desperately want to go back. I'm very interested in learning about God, Jesus, but I haven't I haven't uh, uh, I'm sorry, I haven't confessed my sins. I haven't Wait, you first off, John? Um, uh, it, 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 Excuse me? Uh, no, John, I just wanted to tell you, awesome. Okay, awesome. This is great. Your, your want, that's the Holy Spirit drawing you in. No coincidence, God is pulling you in. You need and want is love. So do it. So what my first thing I would encourage you to do is to, if you're afraid or you're like, I don't know how to go to confession. All right. You don't need to. As a confessor, any, any confessor worth their salt is going to walk you through it. He's going to help you. He's going to – so you, maybe after this, and I would encourage you to do it, um, you know, to, to call up your local parish. Call up your, your diocese. Call up somebody. Call up and say, I really need to talk to a priest. And, and do it. I have had people come up to me in a Kroger supermarket and I've got the collar on and I, I had somebody said the, the exact same MO that you gave, John. And the person said, I haven't been to this. And what do you think, Father? And I said, hey, let's do this. We talked. And then they said, well, don't I need to go to reconciliation? I said, let's do it right now. They're like, here? I said, you betcha. Why not? So outside the freezer section of Kroger, I'm right there. Nobody knew it. We're just talking. People are walking by. We were quiet. This person was so happy because they made that connection. They didn't, there were no excuses. They were able to do it. So, so go, jump into his arms. He wants you. He's longing for you. So I would say go for it. Yeah, John, uh, you'll be in my prayers, and I know so many people listening will also be praying for you as well. Um, again, you know, rather than just go maybe to open confession time on a Saturday, I, I want to kind of reiterate, reinforce what Father JJ is saying. Call up the parish. See if you can kind of set that that private meeting up with the priest, because you might need just a little extra time to be able to spend in confession uh, receiving the sacrament, and you might not be able to have the time that you need if you go to just an open confession time on a Saturday or a Sunday or whenever it might be regularly scheduled at your local parish. Again, talking with Father J.J. Mack here on The Inner Life and our phone number, 888 as we talk about the sacrament of confession. And we'll be back with more uh, right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and glad to have you along here with us. If you joined us late, if you just tuned in, we're talking about the Sacrament of Confession here today, and you're welcome to give us a call. The phone number, 888-914-9149. Thomas N. Gesser, he's our call screener. He'll answer your phone call when you make that uh, make that phone call. Also want to say thank you to Nick Sentovich, my producer here helping us today, and our spiritual director, Father J.J. Mack. He is the rector of the Cathedral of the Most Blessed Sacrament in Detroit. And again, our phone number, if you'd like to call in and join the program, 888-914-9149. You can also email us, life at relevantradio.com. Uh, Father JJ, let's go back to the phones. Irma is calling in, listening in California. Hi, Irma. Glad to have you here on the air with Father JJ. Hi, Josh. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I was just calling to, I'm wondering how to go about um, confessing a sin that you committed, like as a teenager and maybe didn't realize it was a sin until now as an adult. Do I just go into the confessional and confess that sin or those sins? That, that is an excellent question. Thanks, Irma, for bringing it up. Because what happens is when you go to reconciliation, and, you know, especially if somebody kind of like when John, our last caller, hadn't been to reconciliation in 35 years, well, you know, there's no way we can possibly remember everything. So um, you want to go, and in, in there's, there's ways of kind of going through all of that. But... Let's say you and you probably have been to reconciliation, Irma, but you many times since you were a teen. Now, what happens when the priest gives you absolution? You know, say forgive your in all your sins. That's a key thing when you when your all your sins are absolved. Now, if you you didn't do it intentionally, you didn't you know obviously um, leave something out. You said that you now realize. That you know that you were in error, and that it, it kind of drew this drove this wedge between you and, and somebody else, or you and Jesus. Um, what happens is, I think it's per, it is important to bring that up the next time you go. And the reason why you need to unload, you need to bring that out. There is a cathartic aspect of uh, reconciliation where you verbalize these things, and but you have already been forgiven. You didn't intentionally you know leave that off the last few times you went to reconciliation. But I think it's always a healing moment when you say it. Yeah, and that's you know you're talking about from the standpoint of being the person hearing the confession. But as the confessor, I know when I went and made my first confession, it was suggested that you always end your confession, you know, whatever you list out, these are the sins I've committed, and then say, and these for these and all the sins of my life, I am sorry. Because that's acknowledging my memory is not perfect. <laughs> there could easily right. be something that I forgot. And that's happened to me even in the moment where I've gone through and I've said, okay, these are the things I want to confess. And, you know, you get into the confessional, you're a little nervous. Oh, something slipped my mind. And I realize, oh, I, I, I meant to bring that up, but I forgot to in the course of the confession. Um, it, it's, it's so reassuring to know you can walk away from that confession. Yeah, I, I do want to bring it up in the future, but it doesn't prohibit me from being able to receive the Eucharist or being in a state of grace. There's there's nothing that I need to do other than acknowledge, yeah, I forgot that. I'll try and bring it up the next time that I'm in the confessional. Amen. And I, when I used to teach kids, I would uh, draw and like a, a white garment on the marker board or the racer board. And I would say, give me some sins. And they would share all these sins. And I would mar it all up with, you know, each, each sin I would write on this image of the of the cloth that we received, the garment we received 
received in our baptism. And then uh, when we go to confession, I would say, this is what it's like. We're like the eraser, kind of a simple example. And I would erase it all away. Or, uh, confession's like an eraser and erase it all away. We might remember it. God forgets it. He, he pushes it all away. We're clean again. So it's all of those things. We're brand new. We are a brand new creation when we leave that, that sacrament. Uh, Father, let's uh, also talk about, th- this is a common one, parents who might want to encourage their kids, you know, especially if they're teenagers or they're in college, maybe they're young adults, want them to go to confession. Or maybe I'm married, you know, my spouse hasn't been to confession for a long time, and I really want to encourage them. Any recommendations, any advice on how to have those kinds of conversations or how to kind of gently nudge them in that direction without making them resistant, pushing them away from it? I, I think you just use the right adjective, gently. I think we have to gently. My MO is always invite and, and share. I, I'm a, obviously a real extrovert and talk about things. And I think that when we address what we're doing um, out of love, and we have to err on the side of love on everything. And, uh, and when we do it, not, you know, you got to recognize God's going to love, talk about their fears, talk about these things, saying, and even ask, Sam, I'm worried about you. Well, you know, I love going to reconciliation and, and then just start the conversation there saying, how about, how about you? What do you, what can I ask you why you're not? Not to convince them. It's just to kind of plant those seeds of, you know, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we do that? And, and even with a kid, I've seen parents, they force their kid and the kid is resistant. And, uh, you know, well, there, there's resistance there. But, you know, we have to start with the fact of why? Why are we doing that? And again, just encourage, no guilt, and inv- invitation, inviting in that regard. And pray for them. Prayer is so darn powerful. Right. Well, and that should be the first place that we turn is is lifting up the that family member or those family members in prayer. Uh, down to just a, about a minute and a half here, but you know, one other thing that it might be good to talk about is um, when we go to confession, um, the the healing that takes place there. If we, I, I'm thinking of Tyler. He called and said, "I go regularly." But there can also be that kind of scrupulosity that can come in. And how do I know if I'm kind of treading into that territory of going to confession a little too often? I'm, I'm, I'm getting into that scrupulousness. Sure, sure. Martin Luther did the same thing when he was a priest. He stepped out of his reconciliation or that confessional and his confessor said, you know, he had one foot in, one foot out, and, the, and he went back because he had sinned, he thought. And the confessor told him, he said, hey, you know, Martin, come back when you've done something wrong, when you've sinned. So I think what happens is, is we become a little obsessed or a little compulsive in regards to that. It's an excessive behavior. And I think we just err on the side of love. What You know, looking at Jesus, because we are putting this sin We are hold. We're kind of holding God's arms. Jesus wrapped his arm. He wraps his arms of love around us, and that's when you look at understanding. I work with a couple people who are dealing with that scrupulosity. One who is OCD, and we. I tend to go on the logic side. Let's understand this. 
and then and then by the end of it, and they know I'm working with them out of love, and then they start to kind of melt a little bit. If that helps, yeah. I yeah. hope that helps. No, that's beautiful. Father JJ, the hour has just flown by. So glad to have you here. We've got about uh, 30 seconds left. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? I would be honored. So gracious Lord, thank you for the gift of love, forgiveness, the, what you have done. So I ask you to bestow that power upon all those who are listening and all they come in contact with, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks again, Father. Glad to be able to talk with you here on The Inner Life. Stay tuned, of course, because we've got Mass that's going to start here in just about 30 seconds. That's followed by The Faith Explained with Cale Clark. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I'll look back, look forward to seeing you back here on Monday for our next edition of The Inner Life.